Welcome to Vino Week, Episode 3, brought to you by Vino 101. Welcome to Vino Week. I am Bill. Hey, and I'm Al. We got some interesting topics today for everyone. We're going to a little insider wine. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, business and, you know, the business of wine is the thing that makes news, right? So, you know, aside from, you know, interesting thing we see, interesting things we see in the blogosphere, um, you know, a lot of it has to do with business. So, well, we're going to start with, uh, we're starting with Yao Ming, right? Yeah. Dude, so, dude, dude is really tall. It, true, <laughs> true, um, and is in is in the uh, is in the business of the cult of cab in Napa Valley, right? He is, man. He's uh, he is in the business of making cab, and it's uh, it's high end cab. It's not uh, it's uh, not small potato stuff. He's making uh, high quality, high end, high dollar cabernet. Six hundred and twenty five dollars a bottle for an '09 Family Reserve. Have you tried their wine yet? Have no. you tried it? No, I yeah. haven't. Have you? Have you? I haven't. I haven't. I haven't. I haven't seen it in any of the stores where I go shopping. To be be honest, so I'm not. And sure I'm not really. I mean, to be honest, I'm not looking for that kind of wine. Um, nah. um, if somebody wants to give me a taste of it sometime, I welcome the opportunity. But um, six hundred twenty-five dollar bottles of cab, six hundred twenty-five dollar bottles of anything are not on my repertoire in terms of wine. At least yeah. not. At least not right now. You're not swimming in those waters? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. But we can, you know, we can, we can always think about it. But I, I, you know, so what's interesting about this article is, is that he, he is crowdsourcing or crowdsource, crowdsource being a site where you basically put up a web page and you ask people to give you money, um, to make his wine. So what, what's he going to do with the money? Um, you know, I, it's all about, you know, you pay me to make it, and you can get some, right? No, in this case, he's actually allegedly all the proceeds are going to be used to build a visitor center in Napa Valley, and doesn't say where, but he's building. Oh, he I wants to build a visiting center. Uh, my bad, I didn't and, get from here. Yeah, and he wants a tasting room. Also, uh, he's building a tasting room in Shanghai. So uh, it's for it, it's for getting his name out there, I guess. You know, kind of if you have a visitor center, obviously people can come in. You can wine and dine them, and uh, you know you can sell more of your product. My question is, what you're going to get? What are you going to get for your five thousand dollars that you? Because uh, I think that's the minimum that you can put in, right? That's correct. As, so as if you put little, in five, as little as five thousand USD per person. That's United States dollars, folks. And I think you I don't think you can invest unless you're in you have to be in the United States as some kind of uh securities laws or there's something where it has to law. be. Yep, yeah, it's, it's gotta be in the US. But yeah. um he's I I mean I think as of three or four days ago, he was well well into one and a half mil already. So it looks like he's gonna meet his three million dollar goal relatively easily. I mean it certainly helps to have a little bit of celebrity there. Celebrate. Um Yeah. But it, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I, you know, somewhat not surprised. So what's interesting here is the dichotomy between, um, you know, this high-end winery and asking for money. Um, you know, so that's kind of interesting. 
And I think the other thing is that, you know, Napa Valley's proximity to Silicon Valley and the tech scene, you know, where a lot of this, you know, the concepts of sort of this crowdfunding started, uh, kicked off, no pun intended. Well, I guess I didn't mean a pun there. Um, being Kickstarter's a site where I believe he's got this thing listed on. Um, it's, you know, it's not surprising at some level. It will be interesting to see what he does with the money, like where the tasting room is and and all of that. There are a number of projects on Kickstarter where people fund and they, like, never see the light of day. Yes. And, yeah. you know, technically he could take all this money and not have to really do anything with it. Once you kind of give it up, there's no law that says you have to do what you say you're going to do. Yeah, well, I mean, he already has a proven product, and it is a, a decent product from from what I can hear. I mean, yeah, we, I mean, alluded, the, we alluded to the cost of it. I mean, obviously, yeah, and that's not fair. I mean, it's commanding it's commanding good scores and good reviews from those that do that. So the tastemakers, you know, definitely feel like you know it can, you know, it can play in that league. Yeah. So, all right. Well, um, I don't have anything else to put onto that, but I I think it's uh, I think it's I think probably people that are have been in the business for a while and they're over there in Napa Valley, they're probably looking, you know, you know, sideways and going, you know, what is this guy doing? Yep. You know, I mean, because it's definitely not the the, the normal way to uh, to expand your business in the Napa Valley. Right. Not traditional, at least, right? Yeah, yeah. Not and, not traditional. And, and, and the other thing is, you know, he does have a tie-in. He has it does have a connection with China. And there are yeah. a lot of there are you know there, you know, plenty of people who have the amount of who have the wealth or the income, I should say, to buy those types of wines. So it's like a good you know it's a good marketing thing at some level. Yeah, you got to be. You definitely have to be a high net worth individual, and you know you got to be. You know, it's it's a it's an exclusive thing. That's for sure. Yeah. So um, I say uh, hats off to him, man. You know, all the best, you know. Well, He's we'll, trying to new. We'll, I think it'll work out. You know, who knows? If the visitor center gets booked, we can uh, maybe get a tour. <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> yeah, it'll be funny. All right, so what what else is going on in the world of wine? <clears throat> well, you'd mentioned uh, Premier Napa Valley. You said you read an article about Premier Napa Valley. Let's knock that one off. Yeah, so Bloomberg, Bloomberg.com. Um, looks like Ellen McCoy on March second wrote an article. Basically, did a uh, did an article about Napa's most exclusive hard to get wines. Good review of what sort of premier Napa Valley is. Kind of you know what it is, how it works. You know, it's an auction. Talks a little bit about um, you know how things operate at the auction. <laughs> And what people are doing there, and talks about some of the big, like she mentions, total wine and more, um, but really sort of an insight on what's going on, and then the reviews of sort of what they thought was the best. But like we talked in the last, I believe it was the last last week, you know, we had discussed that wine, you know, uh, wine retailers will go and other purveyors of wine will go there and buy these, buy and bid on these lots of things like high-end Napa Cabernet. And it's sort of, ex you know, they will keep these things and have them bottled for their customers as as, as exclusives, right? Um, and that's really what this is about. Um, you know, I, I have a relationship with a wine merchant and 
I expect that person to go do the bird dogging for me at places like Premier Napa Valley and cull out some things that my, my other collector friends are not going to have. Yeah. 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 And it's, this is almost uh, another, like the, the, the good old, the good old boys club type of thing. Cause you know, you, this is definitely, you know, uh, you know, high net worth, uh, businessmen that are going in and, and buying these lots. In some of these cases, these wines aren't even bottled yet. Right. You know, they're, they're, they're in barrel. Yep. So, um, you know, it's, it's an exclusive ex- exclusivity, I guess is, is the key word here. So you're paying for something that other people don't have. And that's, uh, that's yeah, and how it's, I, feel. yeah. And it's, and there's the, you know, there's some charity, um, you know, linked to all of this. So it's not necessarily all, you know, all sort of exclusive. Oh yeah. Well, the money is, it, well, it's a knockoff of the, the hospice de bonne. Uh, in in France, so the hospital that that uh, you know it's kind of a it's Napa Valley's way of doing it. So I'm sure, it, like you said, it goes to a good charity. I don't know where the money went this year. Um, where it goes, did you I know? don't know. But I, if I, um, it's uh, I believe they actually say in the article um, where it goes. Yeah, that was that was last week for me. So I'm a little bit late on that. Okay. You got anything else? You got anything else? Yeah, well, let's talk champagne, one of my other favorite things. Oh, yes. You want to talk champagne and strippers? Yeah. <laughs> Don't they go together? Um, oh. <laughs> the, um, it, so it looks, like the, it looks like one of the premier champagne labels switched distributors, correct? Uh, yes, that's what happened. Uh, uh, Laurent Perrier uh, decided to move to another distributor. Uh, distributor. They uh, they dropped Southern Wine and Spirits, which is like the 800-pound gorilla in the wine and spirits business, and they decided to go with um, – who did they go with? The Winebow Group? Winebow Group, yeah, that's correct. And I guess the it looks like the, the senior sales reps – um, the director of sales celebrated by going to the Hustler Club in Manhattan and, hey. and pouring out $1,000 worth of champagne. Well, it looks like in the photo that I see, it's a couple bottles. So, I mean, the yep. bottles are, uh, yeah, $1,000 worth. Yeah. It was two it's bottles. Yeah. And they're, they posted a picture of themselves with some of the entertainers. and um, Yes, they did. It's uh, it's worth googling. We'll put a link. We'll put a link in the post, um, and you can check out the picture yourself. Um, and, and this is under the guise of, you know, what was I thinking? Maybe I don't. You know, I as I'm as I read the post, I can't really understand whether or not they were like this is supposed to be some kind of you know slap, some kind of diss to the Winebow Group or their you know. They're, you know, trying to say something about the the wine. Well, no, they they, they actually sent that sent that to. Yeah, uh, they posted it. Yeah, they they sent it to the uh, the manager for uh, Laurent Perrier's U.S. arm, uh, uh, Sabine uh, Latapi, right. and uh, she's she's she heads the show, and she got that, and she was you know obviously offended by it, and. Um, these guys are all the guys that are in the photo. They're they're suspended as as far as I know. They're they're taking some time off. Oh, that I did not know. Yeah, they're uh, they're uh, they have all been suspended, and um, 
Southern Wines has issued a statement saying they're taking the incident involving the individuals in these photos as seriously as we are. And they're adding this type of conduct should not be tolerated in the wine industry. Um, I, like, yeah. I like Sabine's quote. So this is Sabine's quote. This behavior is precisely why we are terminating our relationship with the Southern New York. <laughs> with Southern New York. Lovely. I know. What a, what a slap. Yeah. But I, I, you know, I mean, that's just that's really poor form. Once again, in the age of everybody has a camera. Yes. Bad behavior. Not a good idea. Yeah. Not only does everybody have a camera, but cameras are just about everywhere also. Yeah. 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 So behave yourself. Yeah. Um, but you know who had a really good article and brought up some really good points, uh, you know, segueing with this is um, uh, uh, Blake Gray. And he talked about uh, the fact that big wine distributors hate you. And when, when he says you, <laughs> he's referring to he's referring to wineries. Yeah. And basically, you know, without going into a whole bunch of detail, he's saying, you know, if you're a small winery, they don't really care about you. And even if you're a big winery, they don't care about you. Really, all they care about are spirits. Wine is a big pain in the butt for distributors and spirits are reliable. They're reliably profitable and there's no change in the taste from year to year. So nobody sends back cork bottles of gin or bourbon, you know, that type of thing. So it's an interesting article. So what – I mean, so let's delve in a little bit. So why why is it a pain for distributors? Well, it's a pain because for one thing, they don't make as much money. That's the biggest deal. Um, big, big stores, you know, they, they take up a lot of space. But uh, – It's a live product. You've it's got, a, it's got to be temperature controlled. Um, you know, they've got to deal with all of that hassle. It's, um, it's just a logistics thing also yeah. you know, that the brand changes all the time. There's really no incentive for a big distributor to, to handle like a small brand. I mean, when I was in the business, that's what we did was handle small brands, but that was, our, that was our niche. But right. the bigger companies, like you're, when you're a salesman for a big company like Southern, they're going to say to you, okay, you've got. I got a hundred cases of Cabernet and you need to go sell these. He's not going to, the guy that's out there, you know, knocking on doors, he's not going to try to sell your nice little Pinot Noir that, you know, you make, you know, 500 cases of, and it's distributed in, in eight different States. He's, he's never, he probably won't even see your Pinot Noir. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's one, of, it's one of those deals. Cause these companies are huge. We're not talking about small companies. Right. And they're, so, and they're, and, yeah, and, it's, and it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. You know, I mean, if you're going to hand sell a bottle of wine from, you know, um, some winemaker that's, and I hate to say Pinot Noir, but you know, I'm just, we're just in this zone, but he's got to do all the research. He's got to find out about the vintage. He's got to learn about the territory where it's made. He's got to, he's got to learn all this info where he doesn't have to do that. If he's selling scotch, bourbon, vodka, gin, he doesn't have to do any of that. It's just, it's just like how I just need to take the order. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. So, so that's uh, that's that. So the moral of the story is: if you are uh, a big time um, uh, wine executive and uh, you get uh, kicked to the curb by uh, you know one of your um, big time champagne producers, what do you not do? Uh, 
do not celebrate by trying to diss the winery. There we go. There we go. Simple, simple. Keep it, keep it classy, people. Let's yeah. Keep it classy. You know, yeah. It's uh, that's just unprofessional behavior at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, I wonder what will happen with those guys. You think that they'll let this blow off? Because here's the thing about um, people that can sell product. I was just about to say, I'm like, honestly, if, yeah. <laughs> if, if they've been in the President's Club for the last five years, which means they're the top salespeople in their company, they will be they will be punished for a while, and then they will be back at it as soon as it possibly could happen. Ditto. Ditto. That's how it works. It's just, that's just the name of the game. And sometimes people need to learn a lesson. Yeah. yeah. So, well, you know. It's, it's I mean, a nice it's a nice slap on the wrist. Yeah, I mean, I, I, honestly, it comes down to the, the how the company wants to run its business. There are businesses where you do something like that. I don't really care what the product is. You're done. Yeah, yeah. you're just going to be. I don't care how much you deliver my bottom line. You basically damage my brand, and you're out. And there are other companies where that behavior may be tolerated from a sort of societal viewpoint, but like in the back room, it's like. You know, don't do that again. But uh, you know, you're back to work on Monday. Yeah, yeah. So, and you know, they 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 did all the right things as far as uh, making the uh, the appropriate appeals to the public. No, you absolutely. Know. Their corporate communications people kicked in and said, "This is what you got to do," and they're yeah. following that game plan. So, um, sort of on that, you know, to talk, you know, we can sort of dovetail on on champagne. Um. We're talking about somebody, then individuals getting sued. Oh my gosh! So it's it's awful what they're doing to this woman. So do you want to tell? Yeah. <laughs> so Champagne <Good> Jane, <laughs> Champagne Jane, she's um, she loves bubbly, and and her name is actually her domain name is Champagne Jane, and she's had it she's had it trademarked for, gosh, several years, I believe. Well, the people over in Champagne, they're very, very protective of their name. They, and they finally found this website. <laughs> Sorry. And, uh, they, are, they are suing her. They want her to change her name. And uh, they're saying that she's misleading consumers um, by registering her name, Champagne Jane, in Australia. And uh, the reason they're suing her is that she reviews non-Champagne type wines so if she was just reviewing champagnes they'd be okay with it but since she's reviewing sparkling wines that aren't made in the champagne region of france they're on her well it's not champagne yeah so um the the teams were actually they were mediating for several months i believe and they spent days uh arguing in court um i believe last year the end of last year but uh, they didn't reach an agreement, so it looks like they're going back to court again. And uh, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. But what's interesting is she has opened up her own site, or supporters for her have opened up um, a site to help her with their legal expenses. And it's a crowdfunding source, and you can go to it. It's called GoFundMe. Yeah, it's another, it's like a site like Kickstarter, sure. Yeah, yeah. So, which is kind of cool. I mean, uh, you know, because, you know, she's like one person, you know, it's just this one woman kind of, you know, likes bubbly and wants to talk about it and promote it. And uh, the champagne people are like trying to silence her and she's standing up for herself. 
I think that's pretty. That's a good story. Well, and they've given her awards, haven't they? Oh yeah, they were. She's been uh, in their good graces for years. I mean, hasn't she? Didn't she win like a Champagne Dame? Dame she did. She did. Cavalier. She. Um, it, she's won like Educator of the Year. So it's like it's just like what's going on? Hey, You're doing look, awesome. Don't ever do that again. <laughs> The Champagne people are—they're—they're uh, they're very serious about uh, their name, man. They are. They are. I mean, well, hey, look—they're trying to protect the brand, right? Yeah, it's interesting that they can't do anything over here in the states, though, because we have places that uh, uh, call their stuff Champagne, uh, most notoriously here in our area, Corbel Champagne. Right. Which so, was- aren't they allowed to do that, though? Didn't they make some deal? Didn't the Corbel folks make some deal? Well, Cor- Corbell made a deal, but they were grandfathered in, and they're not, uh, you know, they don't have to abide by the law. Right. I but think they, it's. I mean, that's another way of blessing somebody, though, at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. So, and they, and, and to look, a lot of these places in, in, that put champagne on the label that are not in the champagne region of France are still following the same uh, vinification uh, uh, methods and, you know, effectively doing the same processes and procedures that they do in, in champagne. So, you know, yeah, the, the major difference being that, you know, as, as the champenois would say, you cannot call it champagne unless it's made grapes made from the champenois region or champagne region. Sure. So, you know, that's their, that, that's the thing that they stand on. And, you know, it's like, Hey, yeah. they're right. Yep. I mean, it's sort of like putting an AVA on your label, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just I just think they're 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 probably a, a they're pretty militant, and they've they've this has happened before with with other people with the uh, the champagne name, and they've crushed just just about everyone they've run across. Yeah, so um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Champagne Jane. All right, so be fair. That, okay, that sort of lawsuit won, so we have another lawsuit. We have two other lawsuits we should talk about, and then maybe okay. wrap it up. Okay. Um, Which one do you go with? Well, let's talk about Walmart versus the state of Texas. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> did you say Walmart? I did say Walmart. <laughs> so you can buy wine at Walmart? <laughs> yes, you can. What kind of wine do you buy at Walmart? Oh, man. They got some, they have some Gallo products there, and they're very good. They're very good products that they have at Walmart. Yeah. Uh, a- Walmart sells spirits and wine in 25 states. Interesting. And Texas is actually a, um, you know, Houston is actually a city that is known for having high-end and, um, you know, wine consumers that know. Yes. Knowledgeable. Yeah. I, believe then, both, I believe both Houston and Dallas are cities that are, you know, like if you're in the business, you've got a winery, you definitely go hit restaurants in those two cities because you're going to, you're you're going to spread the word to people who will help you spread the word. Of course, they have money to buy. And there's a lot of wine being made in Texas. Texas is a, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's a, it's one of the, I think it, it might be in the top 10 for, um, as far as volume of wine made in the U S right. so they you know, they make a lot of wine there. Right. So, but what's interesting here is that we have a very red state. I think I've got that right. Um, uh, there's some blue in there, man. I think it's going purple. Yeah. <laughs> Was clearly, clearly a, uh, clearly a, you know, a, a state that supports free enterprise and capitalism, and, and yet they have a protectionist um, law on the books, which basically says if it ain't made in Texas, it ain't sold in Texas. Is that true? 
Uh, it, it, loosely, it's true. Walmart has has basically they they're suing uh, the state of Texas, or they're suing Texas's Alcohol Beverage Commission. And uh, you know, we're talking about you know protectionism, right? Right. I mean, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about some really crazy statutes. Yeah. Let's see. I'll go through the list here. There's a few things here. Um, uh, to be clear, Walmart, they're, they're not challenging the three-tier system that's in Texas right now. They're just challenging. Not, not yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> they're we'll, see challenging. How, we'll see how this case goes. Good, good point. Good point. Uh, so um, Walmart and Sam's Club – they now hold 543 beer and wine off-premise permits in Texas, and they're called Q permits. But if Walmart got even one package store permit, they would have to give up all 543 of those permits. So they're challenging this restriction. Uh. So there's a five-package store limit. So even if Walmart were able to qualify for a package store license – Ignore for the moment that it'd have to give up all 543 beer and wine store permits. It would be limited to five package stores in the entire state. Is that messed up or what? Yeah, that's really <laughs> wow. Somebody's somebody's uncle got some law passed years ago. So here's the deal: if you're a Texan and you own five package stores, and your Texan parents own five. And your Texan sister and brother both own five. The law allows you to consolidate all twenty of those stores into one entity. So this is what Walmart is is saying is bogus. Yeah. So anyway, that's uh, we'll we'll see how that goes. They got enough money to fight them, I guess. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it all comes down. I mean, there's there's millions of dollars at stake, right? Yes. A million, so that makes sense. Um, so our third lawsuit is all around a bottle maker. Oh yeah, oh, I've, which is yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. The Gallo, another, another another big giant. Yeah, Gallo. Yeah, Gallo was uh, they they've been they're being sued by the California Department of Toxic Substances. <laughs> Which is like just who, sounds bad. Yeah, like who even knew we had a department <laughs> of toxic substances? But there you go. <laughs> and um, it's kind of a it's kind of a weird little thing. It's it's basically relates to them storing some of their products improperly, and they're alleging that they 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 improperly recycled oil that contained hazardous dust containing lead, arsenic, cadmium, and selenium. Which you know, these are all those bad things you hear about that you don't want in your water, right? Um, so, what Gallo was doing was there's they were collecting this dust um, in their air air pollution control devices, and they would reintroduce this dust as an ingredient in their glass making process. And this is what the state is saying they shouldn't have done. They're saying that they should not have reintroduce this dust into the process because this dust is contaminated. So I have lead in my bottle now? Is that is that the thinking? Well, Chris uh, Gallo says, and this, this is a quote from Chris, he says that the company used waste in the place of salt cake, a key ingredient needed to make the glass. 
He says the process is used industry-wide and worldwide and follows state and federal law. But for now, Gallo is trucking its hazardous dust, estimated at 1,000 tons per year, to a landfill. So they're, they're alleging that there's nothing wrong with what they did. Right. But now they're not going to be doing it anymore. Yeah. So take from that what you want. Right. Uh, I mean, that just might be good legal advice they're getting. Yeah. You know, um, but I, you know, it's kind of, you know, so here they, you empathize sometimes when you hear these things, right? So here's a business that's got pollution control systems in that's capturing this stuff. Looks like yep. it could be recycled somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, does it, I mean, you know, is there a hazard? Well, I suppose if I, like, you know, I mean, logically, right, I, let's say there's bad stuff in the glass somehow from adding the dust back into the manufacturing process. Don't even know if that's the case. And I cut myself like there's some hazard there. I don't know. Um, Following federal law and other international makers do it, you know, the Europeans tend to have stricter environmental law that we have and have had it on their books a lot longer so like if the french have been doing this and they're following those practices i don't know you know we'll see well um, gallo alleges they they say basically say all the product is melted together and when it cools the process of cooling uh it vitrifies the product and it locks it up inside the glass so you have no exposure at all to any components that go in the glass there you go so I don't know. Seems like I, you know, obviously no study here. Not a lawyer. Don't know the law. All of that good stuff. But wow, seems like a, a business trying to do the responsible thing, and it yet still like being told they can't do it. Yeah, and and this has been going on for six years. So I mean, we've <laughs> it, been we've been arguing back and forth for six years about this. So and it's somebody uh, just can you just write a check, somebody. Exactly. That's what's going to happen. I mean, I mean, that's ultimately what's going to happen. People get fatigued, and they'll be like, "All right, can we just settle?" That's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty nutty. Yeah. But it's a litigious society we live in. Now. Indeed, indeed. Our, you know, it's better, I guess, than you know, getting the pitchforks out and running the. the <laughs> exactly. You know, run, <laughs> you know, running people through. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not. You know, it's frustrating, but better than fighting, I guess. So, so moving on, there's one other thing that Gallo's in that yeah. I, I found kind of interesting, and that's that they've acquired the rights for uh, luxury Italian wine brand Puripan. Yeah, so After- this is like – like I, as we were talking when we were warming up, there's a BD person, a business development person out there who has got a fat check. Oh, man. What a, what a, what a coup. Right. So Puripan's big, right? Pierpan's big in reputation, not maybe really big in quantity, but um, it's probably one of the premier Suave producers in uh, in northern Italy, and uh, they have a very good name, and uh, that's a feather in the cap, so to speak. Gallo also represents, um, I mean, uh, Martini, uh, Gallo's like Fry Brothers over here, William Hill Estates. Uh, they have a lot of brands. Yeah, uh, I mean, so they're you know they you know it's a a brand house, and yeah. they just they just got rights to probably you know one of the premier brands in Europe. Yeah, and they're they're trying to go upscale, and, and that's definitely uh, that's, that's definitely going upscale. Right. Um, if you get if you get a chance, try that twenty twelve. Um, that 2012 La Roca Suave Classico Suave, yeah. made by Pirapan. It's fabulous. We checked it out on our cast, right? 
Uh, not the 2012. Was it an 11? Oh, God. I think it was an 11. Might have been a 10. I can't remember. Gotcha. But it was good. good. It was good. I remember it being good. And, yeah. You know, um, my expectation out of this deal is that you're going to start seeing a lot more Suave. Yeah, definitely. You, you're going to get uh, really good distribution on that. It's a great family. And uh, all the best to them. So it looks like they're in good hands, I think. Right. A lot of people think Gallo just makes wine, but they happen to be a really yeah, big, big distributor. Yeah, <laughs> huge distributor. They, In fact, the Gallo family has its tentacles in all of the facets of wine, from making bottles to making the wine to distributing it. Yeah, all the way through. Yep. They sure do. A vertically integrated business, as one might say. Ah, uh, um, yes. Uh, so last, last thing on the agenda, just a quick sort of um, – Reminder, if you are in the Bay Area, this weekend is barrel tasting in Sonoma County. For a very reasonable price, you can get a ticket to either Saturday or Sunday or both days and go to the wineries and taste their, effectively taste the future wine that the winery is making. It's a really great way to go to a lot of wineries and taste their wine and not spend, like, not spend a lot of money. Yeah, and everybody tries to outdo each other. So there's always lots of good food, and there's always also um, bands. I mean, sometimes, they, yeah. Also, they they don't promote it because they say bring some food. And you can sit in their picnic tables or whatever. But there's always food, and they're always opening up special bottlings because they're trying to you know impress everyone. Right, and you can buy futures there too. So you can buy the future wine. You can become a specta- a speculator rather, um, if you so desire. Yes, and uh, some of the wineries, I don't know, let's see, do you know some of the wineries that are on that list? Uh, I don't off the top of my head. Um, We will put a link in the notes um, to the Press uh, Press Democrat article that that has the, uh, I'm looking real quick here to see if I can pull anybody up. When you say we, you mean you, right? Yeah, (laughs) you and I. Um, um, Ferrari uh, Carnero, David Carfo, I'm pretty oh. sure Silver Oak participates. They're part of the the group that does this. Oh wow, that'd be um, uh, that'd be nice. Yep. Um, I'm trying to think who else that it, that I've been to. Um, my it's opinion. just a it's just a really great way to get out and see what everybody's making. And a lot of times you'll see you'll see the winemakers will be there. You know, the owners will be there. They all make an effort to show up for these. Yeah, you know, I, like, I, I, like would, I, I sort of – I just want to like second that as well. Like I know there's a couple of these events during the year that they do sort of these, you know, buy a sort of passport ticket and you can go to a bunch of different wineries. I will tell you that the people in the business, they really look forward to this event. I don't know it. I don't know what it is because it's spring or whatever, but – more so than the other events, this is where you're, you know you well find the winemakers, um, and and I think it's also just it's big. There's a lot of people that come, um, and don't worry about it being crowded. There's plenty of wineries in the county. Yeah, there's um, if there's, I'm and a lot of territory. Like yeah, there's there's probably like close to seventy five wineries at least. I was going to say probably a hundred or so, but it, there's a lot. So like there's no issue there. But they it's like everybody like the you know. Small family winery, everybody's there. Yeah, yeah. You know, because of the volume. And it's great. They're really proud of like, hey, look, you know, look what, you know, look what we made and look how great it's tasting. So, 
Come on up. Come on up. I can see a number of them that I'd like to go to. I'm looking at the list here. I just pulled it up. We okay. got Stury, uh, Sapphire Hill, um, Robert Young, Robert Rue, Red Car Wine, Pezzy King, Pedrincelli. Jay Rickards on there. Jay Rickards. Let's see. Yes, they are. Jay Rickards, Kim, KJ, Kendall Jackson, Inman. Everybody's on here. Yeah, I mean, it's not just, everybody, but a lot of the a lot of the wineries are on. Yeah, here. you're just and and even if you're if even if there isn't a winery that is that that you want to go to is not on there, it's still a great way to go. You you know, we talked about Tawar in our first in our first um, version of this Vino Week and. You know, it's a great way to learn the terroir in Sonoma County. And when you go to somebody like Jay Rickards, you can have the opportunity to try um, a wine. You can try a Pinot that is made made the exact same process with grapes from two completely different um, climates and 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 land. So one's actually in Dry Creek, and one's in Alexander um, Valley. Mm-hmm. So you can literally taste the difference um, by having that, those wines side by side. So you get to have opportunities like that, fun things like that that you just normally may not get to do just by wandering into one winery because they have everything open. Yeah, and if you're you're close by, you really need to do it. The weather is going to be fantastic this weekend. Um, it, the forecast is for like the mid to high 70s. So uh, – it's just going to be a, a fantastic weekend. So so get over here to Sonoma County and uh, do some barrel tasting. All right. That, that's it. That's a wrap. That's all we got. Hey, Bill. Um, it's great chatting. And um, thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, it, this is a continuing theme. All righty. <laughs> all right. Bye, all right. Bye, Bill.